Hey everybody, uh, this is Encuentro. I'm trying once again uh, to revive uh, my podcasts. I've been gone for a while, believe it or not. The last uh, episode was April 15th. That was a long time ago. But uh, a lot has happened since then. Uh, at some point, I'll share with you the journey of the past couple of months. Uh, the last two years have been uh, an amazingly uh, challenging, graced, uh, blessed period. Uh, lots of uh, uh, good things that have happened, but also a lot of challenges along the way. A uh, couple illnesses, and uh, but hey, you know we're still here. And like I said, you know I'd, I'd like to once again uh, revive uh, the podcasts. Uh, let's begin with a prayer like we always used to do with the prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Um, as I used to do before, uh, I'll, uh, I'll be reflecting on the gospel passage for the day. Uh, from time to time, we, we vary the content of the podcasts, if you guys remember, <laughs> if you still remember. Uh, although, I think what I'm going to do uh, moving forward is to to vary it some more, you know, rather than us just talking about uh, the Gospels or, you know, me giving reflections on the Gospel of the day, which is like, you know, the homily. My homilies here at the parish are mostly in Tagalog, so this is this is where I'm able to to preach, if you will. Uh, to share, you know, share my reflections in, in English. But but there's more. You know, I've been back for two years now. It'll be two years in a, in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've tried to relearn a lot of things about uh, home yeah, after having been gone for many years. But uh, but it's fun. It's been great. It's It's been an awesome adventure. I mean, I, I got no complaints. You know, the, the Lord has been good. But since this is my uh, my first attempt again uh, to uh, to breathe life into the uh, the Encuentro podcast, it'll still be called Encuentro. There's a lot of reasons for that. At some point, we can talk about it. But uh, we'll do the gospel passage, the gospel reading for today, and it's a, it's a very fascinating one. It's from Saint Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-four, all the way to eleven, uh, verse one. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but the sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's enemies will be those of his household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. 
Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man because he is righteous will receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever gives only a cup of water to one of these little ones to drink because he is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. When Jesus finished giving these commands to his twelve disciples, he went away from that place to teach and to preach in their towns. You know, it's rather strange to be hearing these words spoken by Jesus in today's gospel. They don't speak of peace. That's not what he came to bring, he said. He came to bring the sword. And then he follows that up with um, images of conflict between parents and children, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, between in-laws. And then, of course, he speaks of the cross and of receiving prophets and righteous people and then of giving a cup of water to thirsty little ones. You know, once, uh, back when I was teaching at university, uh, a non-Christian student of mine approached me and and asked what this particular line from Matthew meant. Uh, She felt disturbed by uh, by the passage. Uh, and then she followed it up with a question concerning another line uh, from the gospel, this time from St. Luke, uh, chapter 19, verse 27. And this was even more disturbing to her. She says that, you know, Jesus says in, the, in this line, and, and I'm quoting, As for these my enemies, bring them before me and slay them. As for these my enemies, bring them before me and slay them. And like I said, you know, she, she didn't feel comfortable. Uh, she wasn't Christian. Uh, she was attending my, believe it or not, my classes in, in social justice, you know. So it was Catholic social theology. And uh, even if she wasn't a Christian. But these particular passages in the scripture she found uh, perplexing. Why would Jesus be saying those things, she asked. You know, it's, it's rather disturbing, she said. The passage from Luke, of course, is, is a whole different topic. You know, although she was right, it, it too is rather disturbing. But let's focus on the particular line from today's gospel. You know, the one with Jesus saying that he didn't come to bring peace, but the sword. And how do we make sense of that? You know, just, just a while back, you know, he says, you know, come unto me, all those who are weary and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and you will find peace and rest for your souls so what's going on here you know on the one hand he says you know come to me I'll give you peace and rest and then now he says I I didn't come to bring peace I I came to bring the sword and then he talks about conflict how do we make sense of this passage Um, it's rather disturbing as my student um, said to me you know, uh, one of the most dramatic and confrontational, if we can call it that, scenes, which I totally love, by the way, from, from Scripture, is, is that scene uh, where you have uh, this conversation, actually it's more of a confrontation, between King David and the prophet Nathan. Um, 
I don't know why, but I've always loved this particular scene. Uh, probably because of instances in my own life, especially when I was when I was a young seminarian, <clears throat> when you know I would have uh, professors or, or teachers or priests, you know, who whose uh, actions kind of reminded me of uh, the prophet Nathan, you know. Um, but what exactly happened between David and Nathan? Uh, let's let's recall the story. You know, um, one night David was on the rooftop of his, his palace and he, he saw something, you know, uh, in a neighboring house and he saw Bathsheba, you know. And immediately, you know, immediately, uh, he didn't only catch his attention, he was uh, beguiled, he was entranced by her beauty. And so he had her uh, brought him, and of course, uh, he had relations with her. But Bathsheba was married, of course, you know, to Uriah. And uh, David was worried, probably get Bathsheba pregnant. And uh, he did, what he did was wrong, he knew it. So he calls Uriah and uh, orders him to go home so he can have relations with his wife. David was trying to cover the cover his tracks. But Uriah, you know, he didn't want to do that. He just, no, 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 I'm not, not going to do that. And so David was probably going, oh, rats, you know. Uh, I thought I'd be able to cover my tracks. So uh, Uriah didn't go home. Um, didn't have relations with his wife. And so David uh, came up with another scheme. A more terrible one. He sends Uriah to the front line of the battle, you know, where, where the fighting is fierce and where he was sure to die. And true enough, um, Uriah was killed. And after that, David brings Bathsheba over and, and uh, takes her for himself. And he probably thought that... Uh, Again, like I said, he had covered his tracks. Uh, nobody would know this horrible thing that he had done. And then one day he gets a visit from the prophet Nathan. And again, you know, I love playing this scene in my head. And, you know, Nathan's there and just the palace says, Well, your majesty, how are you doing? They says, Oh, everything's copacetic. And Nathan says, I have a story for you, uh, your highness. He says, there's this poor man in a certain village who had a lamb. And he loved this little lamb like it was his own child. Cared for it, you know. Um, he just loved it dearly. And in that same village, there's this wealthy man. And he saw this poor man's little lamb and he decides that he wanted that little lamb for himself and so he took it and killed it what do you think <clears throat> again I'm imagining David you know in all this regalia you know standing up and you know with all the pomp of you know kingship says to Nathan you know uh 
while I live, you know, and I speak as the king, that man will be punished for the injustice that he had committed against that poor man who owned that little lamb. I swear he will be punished for his sin. Again, you know, just imagining it, Nathan, probably with a, you know, with a smile, a little bit of a smile on his face, with a, with, you know, he probably looks serious enough, looks at David, not with burning anger, but maybe with a little bit of perplexity, but also with, with sadness. And then he says to David, You are that man. And then you can imagine the horror on David's face. You know, the realization that, oh my God, the Lord knows what I have done. I thought I was scot-free. And then, of course, we know what happened. He launches into the, that immortal prayer, you know, the miserere. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness, in your compassion. Blot out my offense. So wash me more and more from my guilt. And cleanse me from my sins. My offenses, truly, I know them. My sin is always before me. From that horrible, horrible sin comes this profound prayer of sorrow and remorse, which we pray, by the way, in the breviary every Friday. You are that man, says Nathan. It must have been so disturbing, unnerving, shattering to King David. You know, complacency is one of the greatest enemies of an authentic following of Jesus. When we become self-satisfied, too self-assured, you know, we, we begin to imprison ourselves in a cage of our own making. You know, Pope Francis constantly reminds everyone of what he calls the danger of self-absorption. It's really a situation where <clears throat> all our energies, you know, instead of going outside, they become focused inwards, you know. And it doesn't only make us complacent and selfish. Ultimately, it's, it's self-destructive. Why? Because the human heart is meant to go out of itself, you know, to reach out, not just to other people, but, but to what St. Ignatius of Loyola calls the magis, the more. We're always called to be more. We're always called to be better. We're always called by God to become that better version of ourselves, the best version of ourselves possible. Yeah. Um, philosophers... You know, call it the transcendent in us. It always wants to go out, to transcend, to go beyond. Saints have always seen it as the presence of God within us. You know, God who stepped out of himself in love in order to create us and, and to sustain us. And because of that love for us, because of that care, that we do not sink into complacency and destructive self-absorption. You know, instead of focusing our powers and our energies to become more, you know. 
we sink into ourselves. So that that won't happen. God sends us those occasions, those experiences, and those persons like like Nathan the prophet to, to disturb us, to bring us not peace, but the sword, not comfort. You know, as Pope John Paul II used to say, but, but affliction, to afflict us, just like Nathan afflicted King David, so that we can wake up from our slumber and in our from our complacency, you know, to shake us from our self-concern, so that we may be reminded that we are called to become more. You know, our destination isn't inward, it's outward. And God always calls us to those to those distant shores. Too often, however, what we do, we, we choose to settle because it's easy. Whether in our personal lives, our relationships, our work, you know, our vocation, our careers, we go for what is easy instead of what is great. We go for what is comfortable instead of what will truly give us life. And so Jesus brings us the sword to awaken us from our sleep. That's why he says, you know, if you don't carry the cross, you can't be my disciple. A life of complacency is just not what we are called to live. When things become easy, I used to tell my students, you know, especially seminarians, when things become easy, too easy, that you begin to settle, you got to watch out because it's not Jesus who walks with you anymore. It's someone else. We have not been called to an easy life. I'm not talking about, you know, a friend of mine says, oh, that's rather masochistic. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. But Jesus never called his disciples to an easy life. The Jewish people were not chosen by God for an easy life. Jesus called us, as Pope Benedict used to always say, to a life that is great. When things become too easy, when we become too self-absorbed, too concerned with what's going to make things pleasant, safe, secure, nice for us, we forget that that is not where God calls us to go. That is not our destiny. And that is why Jesus disturbs us out of love for us so that we don't settle. Let's end this reflection with a poem, a prayer really, written in 1577 by an English explorer Sir Francis Drake, who is famous for 
uh, circumnavigating the globe. And, and I love this prayer. It's called uh, Disturb Us, Lord. And it goes, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true, because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely, because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things that we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture onto wilder seas, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love.